0: skipping over right now chapters with a bunch of instructions from God to Moses about the tabernacle and things and furniture and stuff like that instead of, I'm going to skip over that to pick up the story where we left it off a couple Sundays ago which is uh, Moses up on the mountain receiving these instructions so let's pray may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight Lord You're our rock, our crucified, risen, reigning, coming again redeemed. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Bless you, Father. Amen. So Moses has gone up on Mount Sinai to receive the 10 Commandments from God. And in your detailed plans for the tabernacle, for the altars, uh, the Ark of the Covenant is where we were last Sunday. If you're with us, you're able to see a beautiful representation of the the gold-covered Ark cherub angels on top of it, that, that amazing display of the gospel. So God's giving instructions to Moses for all of those things. Now Moses left, if you might remember this, Moses left Aaron and her, her first, probably Moses' brother-in-law, left Aaron and her in charge during his absence. It's now been 39 days that Moses has been up on the mountain. Now we don't have any indication that Moses told the people. We, we don't know that he knew how long he was going to be up there. He didn't give any detail to Aaron and her or the people how long he was going to be up there. So everybody say with me, 39 days. 39 days. Is a long time. Is a long time. I don't know how many coolers of foods. You know, you think of it all uh, the physical preparations. We hear later on that, that he fasted. Moses says later on that he was on his face before the Lord the whole time. He goes up a second time. 40 days and 40 nights, and he says, I didn't even drink. I didn't eat, I didn't drink for 40 days and 40 nights. Now that's a miracle provision from the Lord. Amen? <laughs> it's now the 39 days since Moses has been up there in the presence of God in cloud and fire up on the mountain. Now the manna continues to, when you think about the, what's happening in the camp, right? The manna continues to fall six days out of the week. The quail continue to land six days out of the week. Extra on the sixth day, providing for the seventh day, right? And then we come to Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. say oh. I, I just have to tell you, I've been I've been wrestling this week. This passage has really just. I pray it does the same for you. Exodus chapter twenty, verse one to five should be ringing in our hearts and minds and ears, as it should have been ringing in the hearts, minds, and ears of the people who just made this declaration to Aaron. Chapter twenty, verse one. God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Who brought him out of Egypt? Moses or God? God did. They all knew that it was miraculous. He says, out of the house of slavery, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath or that's in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children of the third and fourth generation, of those who hate me. That's only 39 days ago. And the people heard these words, and they all said, we have heard the word of God, and we are glad to obey. 39 days later, a group of them approached Aaron. Now, when they say to him uh, back in, in verse 1, oh, make us gods, the, the, the sense we get is that Aaron's probably sitting in the seat of judgment. Uh, Moses left him in charge. So if big, big problems, right, the underling leaders are supposed to handle the smaller stuff. So big stuff they were bringing to Aaron. So that it's kind of a picture that Aaron's sitting in the seat of judgment. And this group approaches him, having made their plan, obviously, ahead of time. And they say, get up off your chair of judgment and do something for us. May us gods so should go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up by the land, you look at this whole thing and you say, this isn't just rebellion, this is complete rejection of God. Verse 2. Now, if you're Aaron, what are you going to do? We find out, find out later that there were at least around 3,000 committed ringleaders in this demand. Now, I don't know if all 3,000 were standing in front of Aaron at this one moment. Uh, we don't know the details of the situation, but Aaron had a choice to make. Aaron saw all the ten plagues. He experienced the Passover. He experienced passing through the Red Sea. He, he's been eating a man and the quail just like everybody else. Verse 2, so Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters to bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. So Aaron is... I don't know. Some folks try to let him off the hook here and say that, you know, he was afraid, his life was in jeopardy, all these things. And that, that's probably true. And I'm not going to judge Aaron because I, I don't want to be in the, in the place, the position he's in. Aaron himself may have thought that Moses, his brother, had probably died upon the mountain. A Jewish tradition says that Her tried to stop them and they stoned him to death because we don't hear about her anywhere in this story and we'd never hear of him again in scripture so i to say that's a possibility but moses doesn't tell us that we don't know it for sure for whatever reasons aaron enters in it, didn't, it wasn't aaron's idea he didn't present they came to him and demanded but he responds and he says bring me your gold earrings Verse 4, he received the gold from their hand. He fashioned the graving tool and made golden calf. He directly participated. Now, listen, it's interesting. He it says, And they said, not Aaron, they said when he was finished, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Pathetic ridiculous, amen. You just made them with your own hands. How could they have, in the preceding months, brought you miraculously out of Egypt? It's. it's I don't know what to say. Have you ever fallen, stepped into sin yourself and looked back on it and said, I have no idea how, why, what was I thinking? These are your gods of Israel who brought you by the land of Egypt. Verse 5. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, before the calf. And Aaron made a proclamation. Now he's going to make a proclamation. Listen to it. Tomorrow shall be a feast to the who? Lord, all caps. Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh, the I Am. Really? So that tells me that Aaron is wrestling. I don't know how much he's struggling, but he's like, Yahweh is the real true God. Uh, I made this calf for you so and here's an altar we're going to kind of worship that thing tomorrow, but we're going to worship Yahweh too. Let's let's bring it all together. I don't want to completely walk away from the Lord. You see him wrestling and trying to add keep Yahweh in the mix somehow. Is God okay with that? How does God feel about sharing worship and devotion from his children? God said, I'm a jealous God. It's me or the highway. So Aaron makes a proclamation. Tomorrow should be a feast to Yahweh. Really? Verse 6. They rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Now this rose up to play is not like ring around the rosy. It's not swinging on the playground. This rose up to play is uh, in the Hebrew. That is what the New Testament called debauchery. It's alcohol, impressed and blessed uh, sexual immorality. So what's up with Aaron? It's 39 days in. If they had waited, how many, how many more days did they need to wait before Moses came down the mountain and shared awesome stuff from the Lord? One more day. How many times have you prayed for something and prayed and waited and believed and prayed, and at the last possible second, God showed up and, and answered the prayer? I want you to raise your hands when you see how my hands go up. This is a normal operations for God thing. It's one of the ways he builds faith. 39 years, 39 days. And this group failed to trust and believe and wait one more day would have changed the whole thing. But I re- I hadn't wrestled with this myself, mom. Now I'm gonna let you wrestle with it too. What do we do when we get impatient with God? Ever take matters into your own hands? Stop praying, stop waiting, stop believing. Turn away from God and turn to other help close at hand. You ever do that? We we could dive into the story and just start you know, really getting on Aaron's back and getting in the face of these rebels and yeah, yeah. Like hey, that old thing about you're pointing to somebody else, there's three fingers pointing back at you, there's there's real stuff there. Verse 7. So Moses is still up on the mountain with, with God. And Joshua, we don't know how far I mean, Joshua's maybe halfway up. So the two of them are still up on the mountain. They don't know what's going on down below. Verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, Go down for listen to this, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. How's God feeling about this, this people right now? Is God wounded? Is God upset? Is God feeling betrayed? And in, in every way, yes. And God got feeling it so much that He says, "Moses, these are these are your people. You can go down and deal with those people. Go down for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Verse eight. They have turned aside quickly. Thirty-nine days is all it took, right?" They turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. And they have said, These are your gods, of Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, in terms of marriage, they have filed for divorce, they have rejected God completely. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. And behold, say it with me, it is a stiff-necked people. Now you wonder why we do the things we do at communion. Some of the things are natural. Some of the things kind of happen because we have mealers here. We have a railing. It kind of it adds a natural aspect to it. What do we What do we normally naturally do as part of communion? Usually, somewhere along the line, our heads are bowed and we're in prayer. Why do we do that? It's an expression of submission. It's an expression of, I don't really belong in your holy presence, but you know, look, forgive me, love me, I'm here with my confession, um, wash me clean, help me, help me, Jesus. That's so stiff-necked is the opposite. Stiff-necked is there's no way I'm bowing to you. Why would I bow to you? That's stiff-necked. <laughs> so God says, Moses, I've seen this people. Behold, it's a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone. That is really interesting. Let me alone. You know, I think what the Lord is saying is there is, um, Moses, I don't even want you praying for this people. Right now, I'm so mad. I just want to I just wanna burn in my holy anger for a little bit here. Now, we know something about God. God is slow to anger. Everybody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. God is slow to anger. So we can trust that. But in this moment, he says, I don't even want to hear intercession from you. I don't want to hear you're praying for these people. I just want want you to leave me alone for a little bit so I can deal with my righteous anger. Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them in order that I may make a great nation out of you. Let's start over, Moses, with you, because you are a man who is in submission to me. You're humble of heart. I love you, man. You're not perfect. I almost had to kill you in the desert on the way to Egypt because you wouldn't circumcise your boys. But hey, we've come a long way since then. And I can make a whole nation out of you. Let's do it. That's an option. Now, here's the heart of Moses. And if you have if you've just been impressed with that before, I think today you're gonna to love the guy. Moses implored the Lord his God and said, Oh Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? <laughs> Tennis ball back in God's court. Say amen? <laughs> it's not my people. These are your people. You dragged me out of the desert with a burning bush and told me to go help me get them out. This is your people. God, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? Whom well, you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power with a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say, "With evil intent, did God bring them out to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth"? So, part of what Moses is concerned about here is God's name in the earth. He says, "God, the whole planet is talking about what you did in Egypt. Don't blow that up now by wiping out this people that you brought out." Now, here's part of it too: is the whole nation rejecting God right now? No, there's there's a portion. We don't know the, the, the percentages. It says, oh, God, it says, don't shut down the whole thing. Turn from your burning anger and relent from this disaster against your people. Verse 13, remember Abraham, Isaac, Israel, we would oftentimes say Jacob, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and you said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, which God has now done, and all this land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, which he's about to do. And they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Mama, what's that like? So here's something else. There's so much in this passage, people, but don't stop praying for people you know that deserve the wrath of God. Pray for them. Intercede for them. What does Moses do here? Do these people deserve the wrath of God? They certainly do. Moses implores God. He he prays. He he beseeches God. To not destroy the whole thing. We're going to see more about intercession here. This is intercession. Pray for people who desperately need God to be saved. Verse 15. Then Moses turned. This is this is almost kind of funny. I don't know. It's funny? Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. Tablets that were written on both sides, on the front and on the back, they were written. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. There's nothing like that on the whole planet. I mean can you imagine carrying those down the mountain? You just could go like The finger of God made these. This is the covenant. This is the testimony. And so he's bringing this amazing work down the mountain. Verse 17, when Joshua heard the noise, so eventually Moses meets up with Joshua and says, hey, God says, it's time to go down the camp. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said, Moses, huh, there's a noise of war in the camp. He didn't have any clue what was going on down below because God had just told Moses, not Joshua. Verse 18, Moses said, it's not the sound of the shouting of shouting for victory, or the sound of the cry of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. As soon as Moses came near the camp, and he himself saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. And this is isn't that kind of funny? A moment ago, God's righteous anger is burning hot, and Moses is oh, you know, "Oh Lord, slow down, slow down." But when Moses sees it with his own eyes, Moses is like, what? Yeah. Safe. Same response. Moses' anger burned hot. He threw the tablets, the precious tablets, he threw them out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Yeah, it's symbolic of the people having broken the covenant. It's it's all that and so much more. Even that little thing is a travesty. These were made by God himself. Smashed to pieces at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf that they had made, he burned it with fire, and he ground it into powder, and scattered it in the water, and made the people of Israel drink it. Some God, huh? Why didn't didn't that calf God stand up and defend himself, amen? I mean, with with this action, Moses shows, you are worshiping this thing. And grind it to dust and throw it on the water and, and you drink it. And let it be eliminated from your bodies later on as so much refuse, which it is. And this was your God. And Moses said to Aaron, What did this people do to you that you have brought such a great sin upon them? Now here's Aaron's chance to come back and repent and shine. Amen? Aaron said, Let not the anger of my Lord burn hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. Who's he blaming so far? Yeah, and blame needs to go there. He blame the people. Verse 23. For they said to me, Make us gods, who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what we come of him. So I said to them, Let any who have gold take it off. That's pretty true. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. All faced lie. Um, Matthew Henry wrote a phenomenal Bible commentary. I use it now and then for, for help. In this moment, Matthew says, sin is a brat that nobody is willing to own. Oh, man, that just grabbed my attention. Sin is a brat that nobody is willing to own. And Aaron. Aaron knows he has he has done the most unthinkable thing he could do as the high priest of Israel, but he's not yet willing to own it or confess it. Okay. Some people are going to die here in a couple verses under the wrath of God. And just being honest, Aaron should have died with them. Out of all the people who led the way in this utter rejection of God and rebellion, Aaron is the only one that doesn't die. Why? Why not? Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 20. This is Moses' farewell sermon to the people before they go into the Promised Land. And in chapter 9, go go read it when you get home today. It's, it's where he describes the whole golden calf episode. It's amazing. He gives detail and interesting insight. Verse 20, he says, And the Lord was, say with me this one little verse, And the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. And I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. That's the only hint we have as to why God did kill Aaron. Because Moses prayed for him, and God decided to have mercy. Now you look at the rest of Aaron's life, and God restored him to high priest, and he was faithful and did a good job the rest of the way. Pretty amazing story, right? So Moses interceded for him. I don't know, do you and I have anybody interceding for us today? Jesus be interceding for you. He did on the cross. Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they're doing. Elsewhere in the New Testament, says Jesus is doing this every day. He's interceding for you. He's interceding for me. When you see the power of intercession here, do not take that lightly. When you cry out to God on behalf of someone else who deserves God's righteous wrath, God listens. There's no God like this in other religions in the world. Just God I love. Verse 25. When Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Now, I wish we had Voicestone Bible. I mean, in the heat of this small, he's that this conversation with Aaron? Does he say, "Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me," or is it with a heart melting in the situation, knowing what needs to be done? Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. We have business to do. All the sons of Levi gathered around him. Moses said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side. Each of you go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp You kill his brother, and his companion, and his neighbor. These men do not do this with joy. Should sure they do it with tears. Can you imagine such a thing? of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that God might bestow a blessing upon you this day. about this. It's holy and it's pure. It's powerful and it's terrifying. People's sin is dangerous. It's life and death. In the New Testament, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. He says, my coming is going to separate families. Like this, he said, brother against brother, sister against sister, children against the parents. Maybe you're experiencing it. grab hold of your life and you responded to him and maybe people in your family rejected you. This is on the most extreme level possible but it's real. Jesus in the New Testament said whoever loves father, mother, brother, sister more than me is not worthy of me. old calf, aren't we? With Jesus. Verse 30. The next day Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Would you say this part with me? Read it with me. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. This is the kind of pastor I want. He's willing to go to bath for me, even when I have sinned a great sin. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Let's see what happens, verse 31. So Moses returned to the Lord. He goes back up the mountain and says, Alas, this people have sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and he stops, Because he's considering me the other side of it. What if you don't? So Moses says, but if not, if you will not forgive their sin, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Are you kidding me? Moses says, God, if if you can't forgive their sin, then then count me with them. Please, Please remove me from eternal gladness in your presence. If that will pay for their sin. Now, is God going to accept Moses' offer of atonement? Verse 33 But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Each one of us stands before the Lord ourselves individually. Your mom and dad, your grandma, grandma, they, they cannot do it for you. Verse 34, God says, but now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold my angel, that's, that's the Lord Jesus in the cloud and the fire, my angel shall go before you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay with you. I'm going to lead you on. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. I've got, got more work to do. And the Lord sent a plague on the people, because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. But I want to go back to this moment, because this is huge. Moses offered himself an atonement for the people. God declined his offer. But he go with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Someone else offered to be atonement for you and me. Hebrews chapter seven, verse twenty-two. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. <laughs> you ever think about that? The priests, you know, yeah, they keep dying off, so we keep having to raise up more keep on filling the ranks, because they keep dying off on us. But he, Jesus, but he, Jesus, holds his priesthood. How long? How long? I want louder. How long does Jesus hold his high priest office? Permanently. Because he continues, how long? Forever. Consequently, Jesus is able to say to the the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him, and only through him, since he Jesus always lives to do what? To make intercession for them. Do we need that right now? We need it every day, all the time, 24-7. Jesus, thank you for making intercession for me because I need it. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. This is Jesus. Holy, innocent, Unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those human high priests to offer sacrifices daily. First for his own sins and then for those of the people. Since Jesus did this once for all, say that with me, once for all when he offered up himself. Moses said, God, I'm willing to be an atonement for this people. This is Pastor Joe's slanted version of God's like appreciate that. But you're not a perfect sacrifice. I will deal with this people. I will provide perfect atonement one day. Appreciate your heart for your people, Moses. But I have one who's going to make atonement. And I'm going to accept his offering. He's my son. He's Jesus. He's going to do it once for all and bring my children home. So I don't know where you fit in the story today. Are you in Moses' spot? You're interceding for somebody who's really messed it up and you're crying out to God to forgive them and save them somehow. Are you in Aaron's seat today? Sin is a brat that nobody's willing to own. You sitting here this morning and you're wrestling and you're, you're squirming like, I got sin, but I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to take responsibility for it. I sure don't want to confess it. And I don't want to come up to this altar reeling and, and eat and drink and act like I'm getting forgiven. If that's where you're at, if you're refusing to confess, then don't come up here. Because the Bible says you're adding to your sin. Who belongs up here? The sinner was, was bending their neck. an intercessor this morning his name is jesus you have someone who offered himself as a sin atonement to take your place on the cross god accepted jesus offering because jesus was holy and innocent blameless and pure hallelujah if god listened to moses intercession for his brother aaron and aaron was forgiven and later walked with god until his dying day How much more blessed can you and I be this morning to know that Jesus is interceding for us and his atonement is perfect. All who are trusting in Jesus this hour, we are forgiven in Christ Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit to lead us on until the Lord takes us home. So this morning... Bring your confession. Bring your neck bent in glad and humble submission. And come up here and taste and see again how good the Lord is. That his holy and righteous wrath, which we deserve, He poured out on his Son on the cross instead. fathom it, but I love it, and by the grace of God, we trust Him to give it again to us today. So come to the altar. Jesus has been interceding for you. He wants you again to taste and see how good He is, how much He loves you, how glad He is to pour mercy on you today. In Jesus' precious name, Amen.